If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. It's the homily on fraternal correction. Nobody likes to be corrected, right? No one likes to be told in someone else's opinion, hey, I think this needs improved, done differently, etc. It hurts our ego, right? And it's often badly done like someone making a snide comment under their breath because we've said or done something that they don't like, and sometimes we think correction is that, you know. <laughs> no, that's poorly done. Fraternal correction can also sting, right, even when it's done out of love, fraternal, by a brother, a sister, someone close to us. But it has the good of the corrected person in mind and is done in, with, and motivated by love. The kind of, that kind of fraternal correction is a great act of charity that we should appreciate and practice for the good of others. I've been thinking about this a lot this week, too, just because in my one-on-one -on -one spiritual directions with different people, this has come up multiple times. In fact, it's one of the most common themes. You know, a parent with an older child, how do I tell them? You know, co-workers, business partners, spouses... Uh, it's just constant, you know. How do I communicate this thing that I think is important for the other person to hear, but in a way that doesn't damage our relationship? So in today's first reading, the Lord reminds Ezekiel, prophet, God's representative to the people to speak for God, that it's his moral responsibility to warn the brothers and sisters that they are doing something evil. Well, even more than that, it's Ezekiel's responsibility when God speaks to Ezekiel, tell this to the people, his responsibility is to tell them what God told him to tell them, right? Like his priority is his relationship with God. I'm your prophet. When you speak, my role as prophet is to speak on your behalf. It's not that, ooh, I got to really put a priority on my relationship with the people, because then they won't, then they'll listen to me. So I've got to kind of manage being the bridge, you know. Like, God, you know what, that's a really important message, but I don't know that I should say that now because, you know, my priority is to kind of be, no, no, no. Your priority as prophet is to speak on my behalf, right? And if you don't, I'm holding you responsible. They're going towards evil ways, and I tell you that, and you don't speak on my behalf, yes, they're going to receive their consequences, but so are you. That's tough, but that's God speaking to his prophet. I suppose something similar to family members or to even priests, for sure, bishops, those who speak with authority. You're responsible for the common good and to speak on God's behalf, especially if you're in a religious role, right, as a parent or as a, a priest. 
In the second reading, St. Paul reminds us that every just law is built on love. And if we focus on loving and teaching others to love, everything else will fall into place. And I love this first phrase, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Let that be what you owe each other, that I love you. Sometimes when we fail to love, we fail to treat the other well, then we, we feel shame or guilt, and we kind of owe them. We owe them an apology. We owe something because we're at an imbalance now because I've... And so I, I feel like I'm, I owe them something. And he's saying, Paul says, don't owe anybody anything except to love them. So if you're always loving, you really are quite free in your relationships. When you're sincere and, and continuously giving yourself sincerely and out of love to the other, then I don't really feel I owe him because I'm giving everything that I owe, which is love. It gives me a great freedom. And then he goes on, the commandments, right? And he goes straight in. It's funny that he starts with, owe nothing but love for the one who loves fulfilled the law. Then he goes right into all these demands, right? You shall not commit adultery. Don't kill, don't steal, etc. And he says, all of that, as important as it is, the Ten Commandments, is summed up in loving, right? In loving. Then in the Gospel, it's one we know well, right? Where Jesus is explaining to the apostles how to handle when your brother sins against you. Evidently, things were going on amongst the apostles that they were coming to him, hey, how do I handle this? You know, we also know Peter came and said, hey, how many times should I forgive my brother? Right? There was obviously conflict and tension amongst the apostles. They were all grown men, some used to running their own businesses, and all of a sudden they're all together. You know, one's a tax collector. There was obviously conflict. They didn't always get along, and some of them maybe thought they knew better what Jesus wanted, and you know, they had this is the way we did it in our house. You know, there were conflict, and Jesus is addressing that. How do you deal with when someone close to you offends you? How do you? And he goes on the gospel. We well know. Talk to him privately. Then, if, then bring somebody else in. If they, you know, if you disagree on the facts, right? You bring a third party in that can be objective. And if not, raise it to a more superior level, to the church, to the community, to others, right? To be judged by their peers. So making this more concrete, allow me to give a little, some recommendations on how to go about giving some fraternal correction. We know that sometimes the last person we want to hear correction from is a spouse, a brother, a sister, a parent, and kids as well. You want to hear, you don't want your parents to correct you. You want praise, right, all the time. But unfortunately, if you're worthy of praise all the time, you'll get it. But every once in a while, I know, it's hard to believe, you need corrected as well. So some tips. Tips for giving correction. Ask if you can offer correction. Obviously, there's a little different parents to children. You don't have to ask your seven-year-old, excuse me, when you have a free moment and you're feeling like, can I, I'd like to offer some feedback. Apply these things with proper prudence and experience. But generally, adult to adult or when it's delicate, ask if you can offer. When would be a good time to share something I've been thinking about? Something I think is important for us to talk about. Ask. Don't blindside, right? Or because you're upset, Say, well, I'm going to provoke a conversation by being a pain. And they'll say, like, what's wrong with you? Ah, now I have permission to say, what's wrong with me? No, voluntarily say, you know what? Something's been bothering me. I'd like to give you some, I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to give you some feedback. Ask. Feedback's only effective if the person is receptive, right? And to get to a receptive reaction, you need to overcome those bar barriers, such as distrust, confusion, doubt. 
So when you focus on building trust, you can lessen that feeling of that tendency to want to reject what's coming. Your delivery goes a long way in removing all these barriers, right, and giving effective correction or feedback. The goal is to make that feedback, as we know, constructive, right? Another suggestion to the one giving it is to phrase it as a question. Hey, this is what I'm feeling and seeing. Would you agree with that? Am I seeing this correctly, right? I notice you're doing this or have this reaction, and this is the way I'm saying, I don't think it's great. What do you think? Like, always opening up to a, an exchange, not just, hey, I saw this, you're wrong, let me tell you. End of conversation, thank you. <laughs> no, open up to dialogue so that it can be trust built. And perhaps, if there's something you're missing, you'll receive it back, right? When you do need to focus on something that's particularly negative or more negative than positive, it's always good to balance your delivery and good to couch it between some other positive things that you've noticed. And this is not to water down in any way what Jesus says in the gospel. When someone offends you, go and tell him. It's just human experience and how to be successful in fulfilling what Jesus asks us, right? And in receiving, so that's giving it, receiving it. If someone takes an interest enough in you to point out something and they have to overcome enough of that kind of resistance to actually bring it up, honor that. Be grateful. Be open, right? If someone loves you enough to point something out that they think will help you or will help them in relation to you, be grateful. And if the person's not exactly fraternal about it and it's a valid point, you should be grateful, right? should be grateful. And as an added bonus, it will help you also be more fraternal in correcting others. As you receive it well, you'll also know how to give it well. And a last little practical suggestion is between spouses. This is often a common conversation theme when people come to see me. You know, things have been building up. How do I go about it? One thing that I find helpful and I've used myself with my brothers is, first of all, that first, hey, I, can we talk about something? I would like to share something, right? And try dividing up in particularly difficult conversations. Divide up the conversation this way and explain it to the other. Hey, I'd like to share some, but I would like to just first explain what I'm thinking, what I'm seeing, what I'm feeling, and just ask you to just be curious about what I'm experiencing. Don't judge it. Don't come back at me. Don't defend because I'm not accusing. I'm just sharing with you what I'm seeing and feeling. So please receive it as such. Just listen, be curious, ask questions, and that's it. And there'll be a second time where you can then do the same. Well, about what you said, this is what I'm thinking. This is how I think about it is what I'm feeling. It actually really made me upset when you said this. Right, you can, and then the other is, hey, you sh I want to know what you're thinking and feeling. Curious. I'm interested. Not judging it, not defending, just speak. And, and give that space, right? First one, then the other. And then in a third moment, one can then say, okay, now that I understand you and I feel like you've understood me, what do we do? How can we help? What can I do differently to contribute more positively? And maybe it's just, you know what? You were spot on, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and thanks for pointing it out. And I'll try not to repeat that again. Or, hey, I know I'm weak and I probably will again, so it would help me if you could, whatever, respond in this way. That will help me not aggravate the situation, but respond better. Whatever, back and forth. Offering fraternal builds trust, builds love, builds communion in a way that helps. And obviously then, if that doesn't work, depending on the issue, 
bring it some other people to get a more objective opinion, and perhaps the church as well. This is a path towards success and communion. And kids, if you're uh, younger, you can't use this, uh, this homily in your self-defense. Hey, Father said, <laughs> you need to ask. You know, Father said, hey, I'd like to share how I feel about this. You know, you asking me to clean up my room, right? Sometimes the balance isn't exactly the same, and the one who's the more the mentor and the teacher and the leader has the authority to lead. <laughs> but certainly, it's also applicable, and we can all learn in our communication. Let's pray for the gift then of unity and love that undergirds all the law, and incorporate and increase how we experience and express that love in our most important relationships, those fraternal, spousal, important core relationships that are built on love, and they can be protected and shrouded in love so that trust can increase. Amen.